You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 241. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. If you are tired of your only tool for transformation being restriction and deprivation, and you want to be able to look in the mirror and actually see results without choosing between ice cream and progress, then my friend, my upcoming free five-day challenge is for you. In this five-day challenge, you're going to learn how easy and fun it can be to crush your goals and to do it without cutting out sugar, without hours and hours and hours of cardio, or without starting another restrictive diet. In the five days, you'll have the formula for results without having to overhaul your lifestyle, which means that you're going to get to eat what you like and be able to see changes in the mirror. Because the truth is, and you know this on some level, misery does not give you better results. And when you cut out your favorite foods, well, that just usually backfires. That's why in the five days to a fitter you challenge, it's going to be all about making reaching your goals as enjoyable and as effective as possible. So here are the things I'm not going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to go through all your cabinets and throw out anything with sugar in the ingredients. I will not force you to eat dry chicken and broccoli five days a week. There are going to be no rules about what time of day you can eat or how you have to space out your meals. Instead, we'll focus on what matters most in your journey. You. Because you bring you into everything you do, including your fitness journey which is why during the five days, we'll unpack some of the ways that you may be getting in your own way. Every day, you'll have access to tried and tested mini challenges that will make your fitness journey easy, give you incredible breakthroughs around what you need to be actually focusing on for long-lasting results. I'm going to be taking you through many of the same exercises and education during these five days that I give to my paying Macros 101 clients, including a unique goal-setting exercise on day two. So if you feel like you've signed up and started a ton of free challenges in the past, or maybe even wasted money on paid challenges that you didn't complete, you'll want to make sure you make it to day one and to day three, where I will break down self-sabotage and why the heck you tell yourself you're going to do something and then don't do it. In fact, if you have been curious at all about what it's like to work with me inside of Macros 101, think about the five-day challenge as a free sneak peek week. If you're someone who wants to crush your fitness goals and you want to do it without deprivation, restriction, and cookie-cutty dieting, then this challenge is for you. Go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash challenge to register for the free five days to a fitter you challenge starting August 22nd. If you like the podcast, you are going to love our five day challenge. So go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash challenge and see how fun it can be to hit your goals. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. 
I'm your host, Amber, and this is another special Friday episode of the I Did It series where we share stories of women who are on their own journey. And they come on and share the lessons that they've learned, the takeaways they had in hopes that you can find yourself in, in their journey, um, feel a little bit more of community, and learn from, from their experiences. And today's podcast episode is no different. Sally uh, is phenomenal in this episode, and we really dive into some deep stuff and some deep work that she has done on being able to uncover some of the uh, the lack of self-trust that she's had, the lack of worthiness that she's had over her 51 years, and how she's been able to kind of turn that around and, and really reshape her identity moving forward. In this episode, you'll hear how Sally had had some experiences, both with having a son with disabilities, as well as her own birth defects that really shaped her from a very young age and some of the stories that she believed about herself. And one of the points that she makes in the episode is, you know, that that, that identity, that, that those beliefs started at a very, very young age for her, you know, even from birth. And how here she is at 51, you know, five decades later, starting to unravel them and, and starting to do that work and seeing the change that it can create in her life. And one of the things that she said to me before we hit record was that she really wanted people to hear that it's never too late that this process and this work can happen at any point. And that if you're someone who wants to build more self-trust, you want to build more self-integrity, Sally gives you three really great tips in order to start doing that. So make sure that you listen till all the way till the end of the episode, because that's when we, we talk about those tips. All right, let's jump into the episode with Sally Halderson. Welcome to Sally. I'm so glad that you're here to share your story on the podcast. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Awesome. Excited to be here. Me too. I I was just telling you before we hit record that it's so fun for me to be able... Like I've seen your name a bunch in the Macros 101 group and the ladies group and then to be able to get to know you a little bit um, and have you be able to share your story and get to see your face. That's it's always a treat for me as well. So I'm just glad that you're here. Um, can you start us off introducing yourself uh, to everybody who's listening? Tell us a little bit about you and about you know a little bit about your story. Yeah, um, I'm Sally Halderson, and I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I am 51, which I can't believe. Seems completely impossible. I'm sure most <laughs> of us feel this way. Um, I'm the mom of one special needs uh, kid who's physically and cognitively disabled. And I'm a wife to a husband who was diagnosed with leukemia at age 47 and now deals with a chronic disability um, due to that. Um, so I think that's important to add to share because we all um, come into this um, weight loss journey or health journey um, with our constraints, sure. um, with our responsibilities, yeah. and with the things that motivate us in trying to find our why and trying to make room for ourselves while we caretake other people. And however that looks for everybody, it looks differently. Um but that's how it looks for me. And so when it comes to taking care of my own body, being fit enough to meet the challenges of my day-to-day -day family life as I age is a primary motivator. Um, but it also creates constraints around my time and energy, um, my like psychic space <laughs> and um, continuing to do more and more and more in response to my weight and fitness takes away from my family and work. Um, and it just doesn't work. And so that's what led me to Macros 101 and a pursuit of what I would learn 
that um, you call the sweet spot of enjoyable and effective. And I would add a third E word, um, efficient. Mm. And that was sort of what I was searching for. And I can talk more about all of the other things that I was searching for, but I was looking for a way to sustain and pursue my goals while not exhausting myself um, in light of all the other demands that I have in my life. Yeah, and I think most people listening are probably nodding their heads being like, yeah, me too. That's, that's, that's what we want. And, and, you know, you share some of your own constraints and some of the own circumstances that you um, are coming from. And like you so well pointed out, other people have those same things. It may not look the same as you, but they have their own time constraints and family and, and, you know, responsibilities and things like that. And so I like that idea of efficient, enjoyable, and effective and um, putting, putting those things together and be able to find that balance that's going to work for you and and your life. You mentioned the identity of the caretaker and, Mm -hmm. you know, having a son with special son, did I say? Yep. Yep. Okay. Son with special needs, um, you know, and then having a husband as well to having that later in life um, to be also be a caretaker. It sounds like for him as well. How has that identity shaped how you see the world, how you see yourself and really the experience that you've had, you know, through your life? I think um, all of that, what I deal with now as an adult is really colored and um, informed by my uh, childhood and how I grew up and my relationship with myself. And um, one of the things that I, again, specifically had some challenges as as a kid, but I was born with um, an infection in my left femur. It's called osteomyelitis for... Um, people who want to know the actual name. Um, But the end result of that um, was that if I had not had a number of surgeries and that I ended up having as a kid, my left leg would be about five or six inches shorter than my right leg. And so I have an interesting um, relationship with disability as it is. And having, being born with that disability and So because of the challenges that I had as a young person, and I'd like to talk a little bit in a minute about um, being different and the way that being different affected the way that I um, believed in myself or how I considered myself, but it also then um, has informed how I deal with that as an adult and having two people that I love having their own constraints and their own challenges and how I can support that. And how I can inform that and how I can um, not be assumed by it. Yeah. And I think that that is the toughest thing for caregivers. Yeah. Um, whether you're a parent of four or whether you're taking care of elderly parents or whether your, your child needs extra assistance is the fact that you can lose yourself so easily in um what's happening. We hear a lot, uh, you know, on the macros 101 um, chat board, uh, you hear a lot of people saying that life happened, right? Like, like I couldn't do this because life happened, or I couldn't do this because this thing happened. And it is completely understandable and such a struggle to stay focused on your own health and making decisions for yourself while trying to support other people. And that's sort of the fine line that is, um, I think we are constantly working toward figuring out. Yeah. 
I totally agree. Will Will you share a little bit about how your experience being born with a, a birth defect influenced your perception of yourself? I've reflected a lot about that. And um, primarily, I was not comfortable with being different. Yeah. And I think some of that came through because I internalized a lot of the language that people and behaviors that people directed toward me as a child, as being integral to myself. So when my doctors um, used words like discrepancy or deformity, words like that, that I internalized that. And I said, I am discrepant. I am deformed. I am different. And I could never shake or separate um, the, the need for my body to be fixed mm -hmm. and not conflate that with me needing to be fixed, mm -hmm. that there was something inherently wrong mm -hmm. with me because my body needed to be fixed. And not being able to uncouple those two things yeah. mm -hmm. and not having sort of the, the, I suppose, therapy at a young age that would have been helpful at the time, but this was the 70s and 80s, a whole different landscape, mm -hmm. um, but not ever being able to separate those two things um, created decades of um, obsessive negative thoughts um, lack of self-worth, lack of self-trust. And, you know, I felt loved in my life. I felt liked in my life, but I never felt worthy of that love or like, because there was something always about me that needed to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is such, such a good topic because while you had that experience you know, being born different and having doctors, you know, kind of highlight those differences for you, what you said about learning to uncouple your body from you, right? Who Sally is versus mm -hmm. your body, you know, that was something that you had to work through. And that is not unique to someone who I think has, has a disability or is born, born different. That is, a, that is a through line for a lot of women where they have, mm -hmm. they haven't separated their body from them. And it's why it becomes such an obsession or a, a control issue is, is, um, that they feel like they are reflected in their body, that they're one in the same, they are their body. And when you can start to separate those things, you know, that really creates a different perspective. What, as you started to do that, and I, I, I want to dive into like mm -hmm. how you did that, right? Cause yeah. now the next inherent question is like, how, <laughs> how do I separate those two things? But as you started to tease that out, what did that process look like for you? I think one of the um, things that happened in my life, and this is one of those things that's like, it's a double-edged sword where I felt inherently unworthy. So I worked harder than most people, right? Yeah. Like I so like make up like, for it. Yeah. Like yeah. I yeah. was always trying to interpret what other people wanted from me, get there before they could ask for it, mm. um, be, you know, achieve the things that, that um, I sort of wasn't set up in life to achieve. And I did develop a lot of confidence in my abilities, in my abilities to get work done, 
work hard, be the person who's relied upon. Um, and I applied that often to my body. And so I would, I've lost a, a good amount of weight three times in my adult life, um, somewhere between 70 to 85 pounds, three times. Yeah. And I did that by applying that work ethic, right? Yeah. Like I did harder. all the right things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Work harder. Yeah. Um, because I was going to fix much like I would take on a project at work or I would, you know, write something or whatever. I would, I would do this thing and commit all of the research and then execute it. And mm-hmm. I would succeed. And then I didn't know where to go. And I would gain the weight back and I would lose the weight and I would gain the weight back. And of course, I had a lot of stresses in my life that would take me away from that pursuit of applying my work ethic Mm -hmm. to my body, right? Like I was going to, this was a project that needed to be accomplished. And so recently in the last few years, um, I did lose 85 pounds, felt like a success, found a lot of joy in that for all of the reasons we do when we hit our goals and and we get to wear the clothes that we want to wear and we get to feel lighter when we're walking and we get all of those good things. But then I was terrified yeah, because I was going to fail again because right. I didn't know how to work that hard so long. Mm. Like, was this just the rest of my life to work yeah. this hard? Or you have to work that hard for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it was so intimidating and so terrifying to then also know that I had this history of failure, right? Like I still wasn't good enough. I still wasn't going to be able, like I could work hard and get the project done, but I couldn't sustain it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't like that. I was a failure for not being able to sustain that level of work because I'd always been judging myself based on my effort. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, it, again, um, having just hit my 50s and having just taken um, Macros 101, it took your content and your class and your coaches to even turn on that light for me, that, that there was a possibility of decoupling mm myself for my body, despite my other accomplishments, despite my own confidence in myself, I still had um, what I would learn. Like my first big takeaway from macros 101 was this concept of, of starting with identity, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I'd done all these projects as an external effort sure. yeah. to lose weight, to do it the way other people told me to do it, whether it was Weight Watchers or vegetarianism or doing boot camps or whatever, all the things. And never had that internal voice that said, it's okay to make this look the way you need it to look to be the person that you want to be. Mm. And that instead of taking that fix from outside, right? Mm. Like instead of taking that prescription from outside. And that has been really life-changing, perspective-changing, life-changing for me over the past six months. Um, So I think it actually, it starts now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it starts now for me. I'm still in, I'm still learning this Mm -hmm. um, after decades and decades of um, thinking that I needed to be fixed, that instead 
I have sort of um, seen how that has separated me from my life. Yeah. And kept me from living it as fully as, as I could have. And I know that one of the things you said to me ahead of time was that you also wanted people listening to, to know that it's never too late mm-hmm. and that, you know, you have had decades of, of, you know, struggling with that and, you know, feeling unworthy. And um, sometimes people can feel like, well, it's just been this way for so long. How could it be mm-hmm. any other way? And I think you coming on here and sharing that, you know, at age 51, <laughs> you are working on this, this process yeah. and it's not too late and yeah. you can make change at any point in your life that you decide to do that. One question I had for you, because that, that, that fear of failure is a real one, especially when you have evidence to support it. Like, Hey, I've done this before. I've lost the weight and I've regained it a a couple of times. Like you have a lot of evidence to support that idea. And so it's totally understandable Mm -hmm. to be afraid of that happening again. Is that fear still present? Is it diminished? How has that fear changed for you over the last little while? It is, I think, the primary thing that I'm focused on working on right now. And um, when I first joined Macros 101, I was working with one of the coaches, shout out to Brittany um, (laughs) Defoe, and um, I, you know, wrote out my intentions of having joined Macros 101, which was initially to lose the 15 pounds I'd gained back from losing 85, right? I saw those 15 pounds as a sign that I was on the slippery slope, that I was going to fail going again. Going backwards. I had yeah. no, and I recognized that I didn't have the tools to be successful at maintenance. Yeah. Um, and maintenance to me at the time meant losing those 15 pounds and sitting at 150, like 150 was the non-negotiable because it it was an emblem of all of these things throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that she asked me was like, what if 165 is fine? Like what if 165 Mm -hmm. is okay? Mm -hmm. And I never comprehended a world or a, um, a way of looking of my, at myself and, you know, this body that needed to be fixed as ever being okay, which seems kind of basic, but it was really revolutionary for me yeah. that I thought, you know, I can decide this. I get to decide if 165 is okay. And so then starting to work at maintenance, trying to learn this new landscape Mm -hmm. that I've never had the tools to, to explore or um, didn't know I had levers to pull, which we talk a lot about in macros 101. Um, Brittany and I sort of came up with this analogy of a light switch dimmer and it reflects this all or nothing thinking where like when you're in weight loss mode and you're doing all the right things, your, your light switch is all the way on Mm -hmm. and you just can't sustain that. You're going to burn yourself out. But then you turn it all the way off because you're exhausted from a year and a half of losing weight. And then your lights up, then all of, you know, you're just gaining it back or you're, you've given up or you just think you're going to fail again. And so finding that level where you can comfortably see 
and enjoy where you're at Mm -hmm. um, is still a learning process for me. And, but one that I understand the value of. And I think one of the um, other takeaways from Macros 101, in addition to identity with Mm -hmm. which I don't even know if I actually got to that point though, that this idea of um, me feeling like I was, um, faking it, right? Like I was doing all the right things externally, but I was faking it on the inside, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was an indoor cat who liked to sit and read. I didn't like to be, you know, active. (laughs) I, I couldn't control myself around food. I like, that was my true self. And I was faking this other self Yeah. when in actuality, this identity as a fit person needed to become my true self or I needed to believe that that was who I am. And that was a really important moment in starting to trust myself. So one of the sparks that um, convinced me to sign up for Macros 101 was a... An, Um, one of the coaching calls that you featured as a podcast Mm -hmm. and you were talking to someone about Mm self-integrity and I watched that, watched it, listened to it. I think it was actually a video and I watched that a couple times and I thought that is the crux of the problem that or that's the the crux of the, that's the thing that needs healing for me, right? Like I don't trust myself to give myself the right advice. I don't trust myself to determine what my weight will be, what my level of activity will be when I feel strong enough. Like I don't even hear, if I have a voice, I don't even hear it because it has been so obscured by all of the obsessive negative thinking. And so this feeling that I, this empowerment that I get to decide was also completely like having the blinders taken off. And um, you can apply that in so many ways, but one of the really concrete ways is, is this reframing of your, your food choices. And I think there's a podcast that you do about your own, um, mm-hmm. eating habits that really, I listened to that one a couple times too, because there, you talk a lot about making choices for yourself mm-hmm. and that being one of those things that I didn't know was a possibility for me. And so when I realized that I could say no to eating something, not because someone was telling me I needed to restrict it, but because I had goals or because I did not need it or because I didn't want it. I had never actually identified what I wanted. And that seemed incredible to me that I could have a voice in all of this. Yeah, that's huge. And that self-trust piece, you know, as you were talking, I was reflecting on what you were talking about with um, self-trust and, and I, and you made a link for me that I, I don't think I had quite flushed out in my mind 
Um, because I talk about how a lot of women go outside of themselves to find answers that they, you know, they go to Weight Watchers and they go to like all these different diets because um, that they're going to tell them what to do. And I think one of the reasons we do that is because on some level, a lot of us lack that self-trust that how could we ever have the answers? How could we ever know what to do? How could we ever trust ourselves to make those decisions? So we're going to put that off and let somebody else do it for, for me. And I never had made that connection between that symptom that I see a lot of women doing of going outside themselves and realizing that at the fundamental level, a lot of times I think that is because it's a lack of, of trust in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when we can start to build that trust in yourself and give you that power, it, you take it back. And instead of somebody else having to tell you what to do, you can take it back and make your own decisions from a place of empowerment and a place of, oh, I, I can trust myself and I can start to develop that. Um, do you feel like your self-trust has been built over time and um, what has been the way that you've been able to build that self-trust? Because I think a lot of people will have the question of like, yeah, I don't trust myself. I don't have self-integrity. I want to get to that place, but I'm not sure how to do it. I think that um, first, the, the true value of self-trust and hearing your inner voice or making these decisions for yourself is, I think, the only sustainable way yeah, to... That's good be the person you want to be, right? Like you cannot sustain living within someone else's rules or restrictions if you aren't, because as we know from our lives, things happen and struggles come. And if, and sometimes you are just left with yourself. And if you don't trust yourself, then that's when you're left without a framework, And so what I'm working on right now is this idea that um, I don't need to fix myself, but what I'm trying to do is strengthen my foundation, right? Like, so that's sort of what I'm working on right now in terms of Mm self-trust and through working in beyond macros 101 and actually trying to pull some levers, make some changes, be neutral about my data be neutral about my body, Mm -hmm. um, be neutral about my successes or failures Mm -hmm. is that I don't need to go to extremes. I don't need to overwork myself. Mm -hmm. I don't need to um, look for an answer elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And instead, it's literally a practice that I am doing almost on a daily basis when I say it, I, it occurs to me to say, boy, I wonder if it would be okay if I added another hundred calories, or I wonder if it would be okay if I cut back a hundred calories, I'm not in an official cut. So maybe I shouldn't do that. And using all of these words that externalize the experience, right? Like, like someone will tell me whether this is right or wrong because I've been wrong so much Mm -hmm. and instead say, how do I feel about cutting back a hundred calories? That's good. And not thinking, well, someone else is down at like 1600 calories. I should cut 500 and make myself miserable. No, that's not how I want to live my life. I want energy for my family. I want energy for my activities. I need to feed myself to do that. And so I get to decide. And 
I have to articulate this to myself almost on a daily basis, whether I'm making decisions about food, like, oh, there are Oreos in the pantry. Do I want them? Not should I not eat them? Mm-hmm. Are they wrong to eat? But do I want them? Am I done eating with them? And I'm probably just, you know, I could go on and on, um, you know, sort of banging the drum of in this case, in as owner of my body, I both get to decide and I'm responsible for deciding. So good. So I heard three specific things. I heard that you implemented curiosity. I heard that you asked better questions and I heard that you practiced. And um, if you are wanting to develop more self-integrity or more self-trust, the example that that Sally just gave you of changing the question from an external question to an internal question was so powerful. So she said, Mm -hmm. instead of saying, um, should I eat them, which is an external question. It's like an external inch. The should is from an external source. The question became, do I want them? And so we move from an external question to an internal question. And the more that you practice that, the more you can develop the self-trust and the self-integrity. It's, it's simply like, a child developing trust with an adult. How do you develop trust with anybody? Really any relationship? It's, it's a little bit at a time. It's like they did what they said they were going to do. So you trust them a little bit more next time. And then they do again, what they said they were going to do. And you trust them a little bit more. That's literally the process that you build that self-trust with yourself and asking yourself those questions of, of then, do I want that making that decision from that place that puts a little, like a little penny in like the deposit box of like self-trust to like build up that self-trust over time. So curiosity, asking better questions and practice are such yes. good, like tangible ways to start to build that. Absolutely. So good. So good. Oh my gosh, Sally, you've like pulled out a whole bunch of like, you made me think a lot. Good in this stuff. Episode. I know I'm hoping that the, um, I know that people listening will feel the same way, but I, we, we've gotten deep with some of the, the things that you've been able to pull out and elicit. And, um, yeah, it's just been an amazing episode. Um, we could go a whole bunch of, of, of different places, but I, I kind of want you to maybe sum it up with if you're sitting next to somebody who is struggling right now, they're struggling with seeing their self-worth, they're struggling with judging themselves, they're struggling with fearing failure and maybe having that experience of having a lot of failure in their past and, and mm-hmm. worried about that in, in the future. What type of advice could you give that woman? There is so much to say. Um, I think one thing would be, uh, we hear this a lot that you you can't um, hate your body into fitness or you can't hate your body into fitness or, or whatever. But I think the, the better takeaway there is that spending your time and energy Thinking that you would be better if you were perfect, different, ideal is literally seeing your life go by without living it. It's spending it in a negative space 
where you're almost setting yourself at it. You know, if, if a water, if your water line is at, you know, zero neutral and you're living your life in the negatives below that water line all the time thinking, uh, you know, I'm going to go try to get this job. Once I lose weight, I'm going to, you know, go on these dates. Once I lose weight, I'm going to be happy with myself when I wake up in the morning and I pick out something to wear to work. When I lose weight, you are living below your capabilities. And if you can start to flip that and say, and I'm not saying like that it's, that it's easy or even that it works to just wake up every day and say, no, I, I'm completely happy with where I'm at. And, and I don't recognize that I have, you know, disordered eating or, or that I'm, you know, dependent on food or that I'm not, you know, um, pursuing some health goals that'll help me live my life better. It's not that it's just more of living in a space that is um, proactive and positive because then you're actually living your life. You're actually taking a step forward. You're above that waterline of, of negativity. I don't have any idea if that made sense. Oh man, Sally. It's so good. This is such, this is such good stuff. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story, for sharing all of this insight. I, I feel like I made some connections during this, this podcast episode that I hadn't made before. So, you know, thank you so much for, for prompting that. Uh, and this conversation about self-trust and self-integrity is, is such a, an important one that I know that so many women are going to learn from and be able to start to implement. So thank you so much for being here. I think the thing that I'm most excited about right now that I feel like I was gifted through Macros 101 um, and doing the mindset work is the fact that I'm really excited and hopeful. And I think there are so many of us when we are in that space of negativity, when we feel like we're at a loss, when we feel like we've slipped, when we're not enough. Mm-hmm we don't feel like there's any hope because it's just going to be hard work. It's just going to be exhausting. It's going to be torture. It's going to be not enough. Mm -hmm. And I feel hopeful. Um, I feel excited and I, I see a future for myself where I can have some freedom and um, some energy and some, um, enjoyment of everything that I've accomplished. And so um, I think that is something that I think everybody is searching for. And I really believe it's possible. Oh, it's possible. What a great, what a great note to end on. Thanks so much, Sally. You're welcome. Thanks so much for all you do. Wasn't that so good? Oh man, the, the uh, question that she stated, the, the what if 165 pounds is okay. Uh, that's such a powerful question. And like I said in the episode, I really felt feel like I connected a lot of dots that I hadn't connected before in terms of self-trust and um, and how that manifests for some of us of always going outside of ourselves to find answers. And one of the things that I teach inside of Macros 101 is really how to go inside for answers, how to ask yourself better questions, how to build that self-trust so that at the end of the day, you can take control of your journey. And when you get into that position, it is incredibly empowering. It's like the whole world opens up to you because now you are in charge of what happens. You are in charge of your life. And that's a powerful, powerful place to work from. 
if you want to dive more into the the work that we talked about here, if you want to dive more into developing that self-trust, understanding yourself a little bit better, um, being able to work through that fear of failure of, you know, what, what happens if I try this again and it doesn't work? Those are things that we have to be able to work through if you want to reach whatever physical goals that you've set for yourself. And we're going to do some of that together in my free five-day challenge. So if you have not yet registered and you want to have a breakthrough like Sally has had, I invite you to come to our free five-day challenge and get started on that on that work and see how where it can take you. See what can transpire in your fitness journey. You can register at bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash challenge. It's free and it's a week that you get to come hang out with me. We get to start doing some of this work. I take a lot of the things that I like teach and some of the exercises that we do in Macros 101 and I present them in a free setting. So if you've been thinking about joining Macros 101, I highly recommend coming and doing the five-day challenge. It will give you a little sneak peek, a little taste of what that experience is like so that you can make the decision that's right for you. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.